Hey everybody, it's Emily Schramm. I am so excited to be back for a Meathead Hippie podcast. As you know, I'm practicing the art of only do it if it's screaming out of you. And this one's screaming out of me. So I'm so happy you're here. I am first and foremost just extremely grateful for the ability to connect with you guys in a different way. Despite the negative of this pandemic and what's happening, um, I feel like it's opened up a lot of doors for me to hop onto Facebook Lives, for me to be a little bit more honest and truthful because I have more space to do so, uh, to just be more open about something because we are all in it as a collective. And so uh, sharing is therapeutic for me in a way that I am so grateful for. And it's also been in turn that exchange is equal. And I just can't thank you enough for the thank yous and the comments and the feedback about uh, what I've been putting out there because it feels the most true to me and where I'm at as opposed to potentially the other, you know, I have no issues with anything I've put out there, but um, there are of course questions on nutrition and fitness and although those are important and I am more than happy to answer those things, this is so much bigger than that. This is a shift that we cannot, we will never forget for sure. And we cannot come out of unchanged. And I just feel all of the ups and downs personally, I wanted to share first that it truly is a day-by-day thing. So I sometimes have really good days and then I have really hard days and they tend to go back and forth. And one of the things that is interesting is I used to think of this all the time when I used to do CrossFit and hardcore workouts and competing. It was this feeling of when you finish a workout and you just felt so badass, so proud of yourself, so amazing. And the reason it's specific to CrossFit is because CrossFit was so random, right? There's a three, two, one, go. There's a timer. You're comparing your times to something you've done in the past or in many times other people's times. And there's just this mentality of like, you clearly have a good day or a bad day, which ended up being why I had to quit it because it was never enough. It literally fed my obsession of giving myself stories to push myself in ways that truly was not in my best interest. So I kind of thought of this, like there was days where I would come out of a workout and I just would feel so good. Like everything was like, yes, I'm amazing. Because CrossFit was, let's be honest, for completely my ego, trying to prove something. And my ego really got what it needed. And then the next day, the workout would just be demoralizing and I'd feel horrible and I'd feel like shit. And I just felt like, oh, every time I'd have a good day, I was just like punched in the gut with another workout the next day that reminded me of how bad I was. (laughs) And that's honestly the cycle of what I'm going through in this situation. Uh, Realistically, or honestly, my life hasn't changed much. I have been completely online since, gosh, I really, I made the pact in 2017 to go completely online, so no in-person. And that was, you know, something that was a big transition for me, taking in-person clients 
changing it to a completely online business. Um, that was a, a decision that was hard for me to do, but at the time, because I really loved working one-on-one with people, but I knew based on what I was aiming to do and where I wanted to go, it was the right decision for me. And, um, so since then I have always been kind of in coffee shops and in my house and, uh, from bathtub to room to couch to, I just create the whole office. Like my whole house is my office (laughs) and I love it. I love working from home. I love having space. I, I mean, but I've always been that person, you know, it's not to say that that's how some people operate and some people really don't operate that way. But for my rebel mind, um, I, it allows me to be maximized in my creativity. So, uh, when I look at what I have been doing personally, that's different. There's really not much outside of the fact that I can't really go do my random one time a week, do something different. Uh, I, you know, I always am trying to put in random in my schedule. So indoor skydiving was a couple weeks ago and a dance class that was just like, oh, God forbid, choreography. This is so bad. Um, (laughs) All of these things. I can't wait for you guys to get April's Empress. So many fun surprises. Um, But the point being that what has changed is logistically a lot of things because uh, I own a gym, a brick and mortar, So while certain online things are not affected, one of the things that is most affected in my life is my gym, Platform Strength, with amazing members, with amazing coaches and trainers who are all running their business out of this facility. And all of a sudden, when it gets shut down or ordered to close down, like we're all in that situation, um, how fast can you pivot and how fast can you move and what are the solutions that are right for you and for this time, but also for your gym in the long run, because it is really easy to think short-sighted and how do I survive? And I think that that is absolutely okay. In many scenarios, what's the bridge to keep me afloat until I can start operations again. But I always will look at this in a way of what is the bridge to the other side? And I want to stay on the other side at the end of this. And I'm thinking about that with not just business, but with myself. So what is the bridge that is being demanded of? What am I being called to do in order to take care of my members first and foremost? And secondly, take care of the trainers and coaches that allow this gym to exist. And I mean that truly full-heartedly the gym is full of amazing people that allow me to be able to continue to do the online things that I do, whether that's podcasts or Empress, um, my book, all of those things I have done because these people are taking care of the gym. And that, not, again, even if it is online, there's many people that have helped me virtually work online that I also need to continue to take care of. Um, because not all things can halt as I get this gym to survive, right? So when you are in a position where you're looking at a big thing like a pandemic, (laughs) slightly big, is this a bridge for you to survive? Or is it a, let me say that another way. I totally ruined that. (laughs) Is this a bridge for you to get to a new, different you, place, space, way of operating? Or is this a lifeboat? Are you doing everything you can to stay afloat or can you create the bridge that might be your new future? And when we, we just did a Facebook live. So if you aren't in my Facebook group, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it's not a rah, rah 
group. It's a real, real group. I don't know where that came from, but that just felt important to stay to say Facebook groups are, you know, hit or miss. You never know, but ours is pretty great. And I jump on for Facebook lives and I asked for a focus group. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it about, uh, how can I help you guys become the best creators you can be? And how can I help you guys, whether it is temporarily a lifeboat or hopefully my hope for you is a bridge to the new you, new thing, new, whatever, uh, that bridge is my favorite thing to build because it keeps me on my toes. It's a challenge for my brain. And I just think I'm meant to build bridges for what has been for seven companies under me in various different forms and ways that many of you have experienced from supplements to my book, to the, uh, the Empress, to the MPAC, which, oh my God, seeing you guys work out with that thing is just incredible. It's just amazing. Um, backpack turn weight training bag perfect for what we're going through it's like I made the I seriously like I love the impact but it was like maybe I wrote made the impact for this moment I I keep thinking of things like that it's just bizarre like everything that I thought was what the impact was for and all of this you know kind of natural camaraderie that we got definitely pieces of and we are you know we have had a really successful run as a company at evolve motion and with the impacts that we have but it felt so real when this happened it was like oh my gosh i created the impact i followed my instincts and trusted my gut and did the work for this moment for people to have this this is it's just incredible Hashtag MPAC, E-M-P-A-C-K, if you are cur- curious about the amazing things that are happening with people just being empowered to stay strong right now at home. The point being, when it comes to figuring out how to help you guys make the bridge and knowing there's a better way, the number one thought that I have had is knowing that we can create from a place of service and purpose. And that is hard to do in a sense of we are struggling financially or we know finances will be hard soon, if not already. And so we look for these businesses because they, sh- they are creations turning businesses into something bigger. We look for the transaction, what will help us stay afloat. And I just challenge you, and there's more and more talks about this, but um, mainly just to finish this saying, I challenge you to see where can you create first without expecting any sort of payment or transaction. Can you challenge yourself to get into a space that is clear enough, creative enough, open enough, a flow enough that you get so excited about an idea that it can turn into a bridge Because when we're just thinking of things to keep ourselves afloat, it's quite literally the difference of abundance and scarcity. Even one step further, love and fear. Do I love doing this? Do I love putting this out there? Do I love making my brain think? Do I love taking care of my people? Versus am I going to survive? Is this going to work? Is there any way that I could put this out there and it it, it keep us okay. I hope this works. I hope this works. I hope this works. And that's hard. You know, I'm demanding a lot from anybody who is willing to take that, you know, cause you will have those days where it is about the money. It is about surviving. It is about the bills. 
Um, but the more we can get into those spaces of creation, we're looking at the bridge for the long haul. We're looking at radically changing the way we operate, never being the same again for the better and creating way more opportunity because of it. And I would love to share, eventually I'll share more and more of this, but being the living, breathing example, I called it today a test tube. (laughs) I'm my own test tube. I was willing and able and lucky enough earlier this year to have space to test these theories out because that's how my brain has to completely let go. I have to see some sort of result sometimes. The trust podcast that we talked about, um, I had a, I had to assume it was going to work, and then I had to give myself a month to prove that it was going to work by while I was doing it. So it's just been amazing. But the point of this whole long intro is I have this post that I wrote, and it was just so, I feel like it's so relatable right now, kind of what we're talking about, even though I did a lot of rambles about every other day, a good day, a bad day, a really hard day, and then a good day. It's like I... I keep oscillating between the two. Um, I can't quite get to two really amazing, amazing days. And then one bad day. It's, it's every other day right now. And that might change, but right now this week, how everything is playing out, that's where I'm at, um, all week. And it's Friday. So it's been literally (laughs) very clear every other day. And my journal is like, that's, what's so good about writing is you just are like, whoa, yeah, good day, hard day, good day, hard day. It's really good for you to have like a visual. Um, But I wrote this and I wanted to read it out loud. The beauty in that, in the oscillation, is this. I do the work on the really good days no matter what. Even if I'm motivated, upbeat, driven, and full of ideas, the doom mode that you have heard me talk about multiple times, I will always still make time and take time to feel. Questions I ask myself, am I on autopilot or am I on a mission that is worthy of pursuing? So being on a mission is good and bad. Are you just doing it because we need to, or are we on a mission because yes, that is what I've been, I am drawn to. That is it. Am I doing this, whatever that is, because I should or because I know it's right? So the, just like my book, The Process, you know, the shoulds and the, the what you actually want to do's, those are very different and we have to define them. Uh, another question, am I avoiding certain things by doing? Let's sit for a second and check. Can you see if, if you were still in those autopilot modes, um, even if it's a good day, can you sit and say, where what, am I doing all this stuff to avoid what I'm feeling? And sometimes I'll s- kind of be in autopilot mode and working, 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 and then I'll sit down and I'll just start breathing. And then all of a sudden I'll just have sadness that I feel that I was completely unaware of until I sat. And then I cry and it, it's just oh, it's so perfect because that's what Steph talks about today. So all of this is tying in in a beautiful way. But the best thing is on the hard days, even if on the good days where we're doing, 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 we still take time to feel, it gives us the ability to be more okay and quicker to rebound from the days that feel really heavy and hard. So when I feel sadness, when I feel fear, when I wake up and I'm just like, damn, this is effing hard, I'm grumpy, I feel trapped, I feel stuck, I'm having a hard time shifting out of this. All of those things, the resistance that we feel, um, instead of just sitting in that all day, 
it is the most beautiful chance to work through it. When you work through the hardest of days, uh, when you put the effort in and don't let yourself retreat, maybe retreat for a little bit, maybe watch a little bit of a TV show. I watched, um, like Jane, the Virgin. I had like an episode on just to let my mind chill, give myself a reason to sulk for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, let's, let's just do the work. Let's just fucking get into it. And I sat down, I put on music, I breathed it out. I figured out so many life problems, even though it was hard. I did this. I'm just going to tell you, this is like so strange, but it, it works for me. This is a little bit of my process is I just started to think about something, um, that came up. It just popped in my head. It was like, you have a good side of your face. You guys all have probably said this yourself. Like I want to be on this side when you take a picture. So for me, it's my left side of my face. Like I, you know, I just definitely always am on the left side of pictures. And I didn't realize when you have said that story every day of your life, since you were 16, how deep it is ingrained in who you are. That part of your body is telling you have always told it. You hate that part. There's parts of you that you still hate. And there's so much, um, to unpack there. But one thing that I was like, Oh my God, I've, always kind of told this side of my face that it is ugly. It feels really drastically different than the other side. So when I see pictures of that side, I'm like, ew, gross. And I got this new phone. I I can't, I don't know how to convert it. So it's just, I need to call Verizon, but I took pictures of that side of my face and I looked at it and I just said, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. And all out of nowhere, it just started, I started crying. I don't even know where this came from, you guys. It just, it was like, that's what I needed to do. I needed to shut off the TV and think and breathe. And all of a sudden that thought came in and I was like, oh my gosh, I really do hate that side of my face. Oh my gosh, I need to apologize <laughs> for that. Oh my God. And it was really heavy and hard and weird. And I could have judged myself for how weird it was and why I was crying. I didn't. I just let it happen because that's what this space is for. And I'm not here to build a lifeboat. I'm here to build a bridge. And I know that digging through these layers is going to get me there quicker. And it is okay to have good days and bad days, but it's important to do on the best of days, still do the work, check in with your feelings. And on the worst of days, just trust that it will end. And the picture I posted that this whole thing was about was from my book. Some days joy finds me easier because that light is a little brighter. And I remember to love those days a little bit more each time. And so today is a good day. It means that I can do this podcast. It means that I have things bursting out of me. I am putting together Empress for April. It launches April 1st. And I could cry just talking about it because I feel like, again, I feel like Empress came to be for this edition, for an at-home edition. And I am able to bring on these contributors. I have dancing. I have, I can't even explain it. I don't even want to spoil it. But if you do not know Empress, it is my monthly digital publication. It launches on April 1st. Get on my newsletter. Be in my Facebook group. It is going to be incredible. It's like... I, I have chills. I just can't wait for you guys to get it. And I have had to be in a good creative space. And so I'm forcing myself to do the work and the work is paying off. It is paying off so strongly. And it's going to be a testament to your response to Empress, this pot, everything, everything that I do, if I don't get in a good space, 
I am doing everything and you a disservice. And that is the same for you and in your life of taking time to do the feel, (laughs) not to do the do. (sighs) Okay, so our amazing guest is Steph Jagger. Steph Jagger is the author of Unbound. Um, When I look at Steph, this is like my favorite thing is because she was in, she was a book club for Empress in February. And the way she talks, she, I mean, she's just hilarious. She's so fun. She is so witty and kind and loving. And I just, I had to have her back because it, it, her book paralleled mine, but hers with this beautiful story transformation, I highly recommend reading it. Um, She's just incredible. So Steph Jagger is her Instagram, stephjagger.com. She is about to launch her second book, but her first book is hilarious. She's the reason I went to Bainbridge. Um, And honestly, a chapter in my book is from that trip where I had this eagle feather above my bed and then the whole book happened. So you'll just, I think you're going to really enjoy it. I really love her and um, it's very relevant for right now. So Uh, please let me know what you think. And I hope you guys are well and safe and uh, just keep smiling. You're doing a great job. You really are. Talk soon. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Steph, it's our second podcast, and we have met in between. I know. I feel like this is a trifecta of, this completes the trifecta of goodness. It really does. We had a podcast for all my new listeners um, who haven't listened to the first podcast with Steph. Uh, Had a podcast that inspired me to go to Bainbridge and just keep on keeping on. Because I love Bainbridge now, thanks to Steph. Um, but also, we met at a noon retreat, and I just want to tell people this story because I feel I've been wanting to email this to you, and I'm like, I need to just podcast with her and tell her live. Yes, please. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we went to. You spoke at the noon retreat. I was just lucky enough to be a participant, and it was so fun. A group of women, right? Just really being a part of something that's bigger than individual. And I felt like when I met you, I had not read your book yet, but on the way home from that trip from San Diego to Denver, I finished your book within that 24 hour period. I was consumed, like just (laughs) nonstop, couldn't put it down because I had just met you and I was so impressed by the who you were and who you are, um, reading you in the lens that kind of the pre-transition, the the pre, I don't know, feminine or powerhouse, what really this kind of doing mode that you just conquer shit that I can so relate to, and just seeing you in person and being like I that person to me the amount of. Uh, grace and beauty and just overall like I couldn't even recognize you in some of those early chapters in your book you know and it was just so beautiful to like have met you before I read the book and so I really just wanted to especially in the time we're in and 
uh, how, you know, people are doing and then people are feeling and all of the things. It just, I, and personally, I just wanted to talk to you. Um, I'm so glad you're back on the show. Yes, so am I. And that, that, you know, it's, it's, I'll take that as a real um, compliment, you know, that, that idea that like, I look back at some of those early chapters and of course, like I recognize myself as like, oh, that's, that was so me, but, um, there's a lot also that I, that I don't anymore. And, and it's, it's a sign of the, the work that's been done. So that's, I you know, it makes me proud of myself. It's like, go <sighs> sister, go. Well, it, it gives me, then the whole point of this is like, it gives me so much hope for, the transition that I personally am going through, right? And the one of the things that I would love to just kind of jump into is this idea of kind of forgiving that self because I am in the middle of that, right? Like we know that, that we have these certain tendencies and we're just like, you know, conquering things and a little bit oblivious to what's around us because we're, we're on a mission. Um, and when I see those moments in the past, and it's not that I'm perfect and I still struggle with it, but it's like, oh God, I was a terrible person, you know? So it was so interesting, like you almost seeing how far you've come, knowing that both of those versions of you are still amazing and badass, um, gave me who is so in the transition to doing and feeling as equally as possible. Um, It was like, oh my God, I have hope. Like if she can do this and she came out like this and she's just like a walking angel, then I can do this. about walking angel but but floating just slightly off of the earth agent no i i i you know that's such a big part of it is i think we've been taught over and over and over again both in the kind of health wellness self-help world that, that both of us are part of in various different ways you know um as well as just in the the narrative of the feminine we've been told to cut the bad parts off and that there are bad parts, Mm. you know? And, and I think the transition is, this was a really big mistake of mine actually that I, that I made earlier that again, you kind of, okay, I have to move into like self-compassion and forgiveness for that and learning that it was like, okay, that part no longer belongs. I'm going to move on from it. It's done. It's no longer part of me. Instead of being like, wow, that, that part got me from A to B and thank goodness. And like, it is still part of me. There's a way of reframing. Everything's included. Like the splintering off of ourselves that we've done um, mentally, emotionally, physically, like all of it is, is so astounding. So um, I think that's a big part of the work that, that needs to happen now is like, nothing's wrong. Nothing needs to be cut off. Nothing's missing. Nothing's it's all there. It's about embracing all of it. Yes. Uh, And I think it's easier to cut it off, even though it's not a real cut off, right? It's so much easier to just burn the bridge. (laughs) And that's what I did. I remember one time I did this, I did, I was like, called this, there's one part of me that I called the petulant child. It was just this really, oh, it was really tough for me at that time to understand it. And so I literally did a ritual where like, I like went to a place and was like, okay, bravo you, but F off. Like, this is where we end. This is where we part ways. And I got to tell you, like the next two years were not fun. Like they were not, it was not. And so then I ended up going back to that place and being like, okay, come home. Mm. I messed up. I need you. You are this provocateur. You are the rebel. You are... 
I just need to find outlets for you that are really productive. Oh, God, that is so cool to think of. So maybe if you could help explain to someone who is jumping on this in a way that they haven't quite seen the transition of Steph through your book, what would be some of the things that on paper you were like, get out of here, like these traits are no longer serving me, and then in turn bringing it back in a way that did serve you? If we could get examples, I would really love that. Yeah. Well, I think before I went on the ski trip, it was unconscious. So I, I didn't know I was doing this. I think I was just um, unconscious. I didn't think there was anything particularly wrong with me, actually. I was like, I'm going to go and kick some ass. And, and unconsciously, what I was trying to do was prove I was one of the guys. Because, mm -hmm. un again, under the surface of it all, that was really the only acceptable path to quote unquote success. And mm. so I was like, great, I'm just going to go and kick ass. And all I got to do is kick some ass and that'll be fine. And, and then, you know, partway through that process realized, oh, that's what got me to the goal setting stuff of if I continue to, to do things thinking I'm going to have a certain feeling or result or a level of confidence or whatever at the end, like it was never happening. That was never happening. And I, it, it eventually, at the end of that ski trip, I thought to myself, geez, like I got to figure out a different way of doing this because what I thought was going to bring me that path of success, like it's not, it doesn't mm. feel, that doesn't feel good. And so I guess um, from there, then I started to get more conscious of it. And a tangible example would be um, the, the, the rebel. And so one part of me, in one way, I could name that um, the petulant child who, if she's not getting what she wants, might storm out of the room, you know. Mm -hmm. But if I reframe that and give her outlets for being a provocateur and raising her voice and um, appropriate places to uh, not rebel for the sake of rebelling, but just... Um, rise up and say like, no, that's wrong. I think we should be doing it this way. You know, that those would be examples. So, so that, that I can think of, I, I wrote a post about this a while ago, actually, the different variations. My, um, I'm really not good at pulling things gracefully through to a finish line. Like I'm a good writer, but I'm not a good editor. <laughs> and so I used to get, I used to get mad at myself. Like, this isn't, this isn't good enough. You're not putting, you're putting out stuff out with mistakes, et cetera. I mean, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I am good enough. I'm just really, really good at the starting part and the storytelling part. And I need to bring someone onto my team that does the editing part. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Yes. Ugh, isn't that a beautiful realization when you are a business owner? <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause it does. I mean, we know like delegating makes us better at what we actually love to do. Um, what well, I love that you just said about finding new channels and voices or a new way to use that voice. Um, I think what I think of is how we are so ready to speak in that rebel mentality. So we're ready to use that voice. We are ready to kind of like I don't know, it's a very queen of swords of us, like point out the truth and this is what it is and I'm going to say it like it is. But when we are in that space that you just said where it is constructive and so the work is really defining how to know individually, is this putting me in a 
place that I'm using my voice in its best power or is it misuse of this voice? Because when it's used and channeled in that correct way, it is magnified. It is, you know, it, you could whisper and it would move mountains, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing, this is, this is very archetypal, but the, you know, speaking of the rebel, it's like, am I rebelling against something just for the sake of it? Just because I can, and that gives me a sense of power. Am I rebelling against parts of myself? That mm. was a big one for me as well. You know, or, or am I rebelling against a system or a structure that really needs uh, to be challenged, uh, which would be maybe the more proactive or, or more um, kind of right use of that, uh, of that archetype. But yeah, that, that's, been a, that's been a big learning is finding those outlets for myself. Like welcoming, welcoming all of myself home mm. and, and saying you're, you, you, all, all those parts that I pushed away are welcome home. Not only are you welcome home, but you're all enough. Like you're enough. And uh, what do I need to do and who do I need to be and who do I need to partner with to, to kind of kick ass now from there, <laughs> from that place? Right. right. And I think, you know, just to give another example for just since you shared that, that was a perfect one. For me, it's my control freakness, like the perfectionism, which, you know, and I love the Enneagram, but when a seven although I'm a little bit more of an eight these days, it's when I'm a seven and I'm not in the healthiest space, it's because I become such a perfectionist. So I, I get into this zone where I wanna micromanage everything and I wanna you know, see every little piece to make sure that it is the big picture, which is so not the best use of any creator's mind space, right? To be as creative and ex as expansive as possible, you do need space. So details yeah. are always hard for me, but then I go, ooh, I go to those <laughs> because I am being a perfectionist. So it's just so interesting to find um, those, okay, how can I utilize this control that I clearly love to be, I love to have this leadership, but I can very quickly use it in the wrong way. And so pivoting it into, well, how can I, um, exactly what you said, how can I give it a channel? How can I give it a space to do what's right for it in that right. it, almost a personality, you know, kind of, I love how you put it that way. When you learn these things, you learn like, you know, you get into that little controly phase or whatever, like, oh, okay, I'm a little off balance. No big deal. I did nothing <laughs> wrong. I'm just leaning a little too far in this little pose one way. So like, okay, good learning. Correct. Off I go. Continue. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. And this is the same with nutrition or fitness or anything where it's you're aiming for something. But I think it's harder in this mental, emotional, spiritual world because it's harder to track. There's not definitions. There's not necessarily like checkpoints uh, or uh. meters of like, OK, if I want to be stronger, my deadlift got stronger. So I know that the work I'm doing is worth it. Um, and do you have any thoughts? Like for me, I guess yeah. the def defining like the work, because it's not necessarily what I've realized, especially in this time we're in, um, the work isn't like the mornings that I have that feel so easy to be grateful. It's like the work is working when the days that I wake up and I'm not quite in that space where it's a little bit more of a struggle to feel gratitude and feel present. It's like, oh, this is why I do the work so that I can pivot this version of myself that's not my best into right. something that's going to be a little bit better today. Yeah, I think I, I get it. Like that idea of like, OK, there's not really metrics. Like how do we measure 
our own uh, emotional evolution or our spiritual growth or whatever compared to say like physical gains or, you know, different kind of metrics that you might have in the gym. But ultimately I do think that there is, and, and Mm -hmm. I would, I would bring both uh, all of that back to the body. So, so if, if I'm going and doing a workout plan, it's funny, actually ages ago I stopped and this might be like counter to what, to what, you guys do as trainers, but, but I kind of stopped measuring like weight measurements, all those kind of uh, very, very specific metrics. And I went more by like, this is how my pants are fitting. And this is how I feel. Do I feel like I have more energy than I, than I did yesterday? Okay. So it's, it's a little less clear than the number on the scale, but it's, or a tape measurement, but it's still pretty clear. Like, do the jeans still fit? And do I literally, the question is, do I feel good? Do I feel Mm -hmm. as though, this new workout plan is giving me more energy. It is, if this is why embodiment is the best work that we can, is the baseline work that we all need to be doing is mm-hmm. getting associated and tuned into our body first and foremost, before you do physical workouts, before you do mental workouts, before you do emotional, et cetera, is embodiment. Because if I'm, if I'm, thinking about what's happening in my spiritual evolution, my body tells me, do I feel drained? Well, something's not, something's not like I shouldn't be working with this person or this guru or following this person. Do I feel like even right now in this conversation, I can feel it. There's like buzzing across my chest. My feet feel rooted and grounded. Like if I'm in an embodied uh, part of myself, I, I know if I'm in the right place, your body's the sign. So that's why I'm a massive champion of, of anyone who's doing embodiment work in psychology and trauma in, in the physical realm, all of that, because I think that's the baseline for all of us and specifically for women to get back into our bodies when we've really been told all of our lives that we've got to one, disassociate from them, two, we don't have ownership of them. I mean, it, you know, it's, and, and then add in, lots of different forms of trauma. Right. So I do think that there's a, a, a measurement and I think it's all of the cues and signs that come from your body. I love that so much. Cause it's true. It's like you, I think maybe for me and even just defining the evolution of, uh, how I got to this point, you know, and you can kind of always watch your journey to see like, Oh wow, that starts to make sense a little bit more but it was always you know first for me even in my career was fitness like fitness started everything right so it's interesting because I when I just posted this that like I do not time things I do not track things I I know how quickly that triggers the not good enough right but I it's the same thing I think with looking for tangible cues in this spiritual world it's still trying to define something that's not supposed to necessarily be defined in that way right um right. so it's well yeah a lot of people are like quote unquote looking for signs externally that they're on the right path well, the signs are mm. internally yeah mm. yes you know it, it's uh, you no, might no. see you might see something externally but it's your it's your internal reaction to it that will tell you if you're on the right track or not so it's, it's you know, your, your body is the sign. I really love this. You'll like this, I think, because I was kind of trying to think of, you know, a lot of people in this time and space. What do I do? How do I do it? Um, you know, what do I even like? What is my purpose? You get this all the time. This is your work, right? Is really helping people go on that 
yes journey for themselves. And one of the analogies that popped in my head was when I was listening to a Spotify playlist and I was like, you know how you have the Discover Weekly where you get it and it's a raw format of what they think you might like and with just a few feedbacks of yes and no's, you create this amazing playlist, right? And so it's just feeling out the things that you, like people are so worried about doing the wrong thing or not finding the perfect thing instead of realizing that it is literally a massive experiment. It is, do I like this? How did it make me feel? (laughs) Do I like this? How did it make me feel? Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's like warmer, warmer, warmer. And and I think we've been told because there's, you know, outside of traditional uh, religion, we, there's not specific instructions say for spirituality right and, and I would even argue inside of traditional religion there are instructions does that does that get you anywhere who knows I, you know that's a whole different conversation but I, I think that's that's why a lot of people think they're doing spirituality wrong like I get that I get that a lot like someone someone will be like I just I just I can't meditate all I want to do is dance like I can't I, feel, I can't sit still and I'm like who who told you you needed to sit still like maybe dancing is your way of channeling whatever it's what you're supposed to like who and they're like oh my gosh right like I I I, I guess I've just had so many messages that 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 that's wrong you know or that's the wrong thing to do and I think you've got to go back to the cues that your body is giving you so long as you you know you've got a, a an embodied nervous system if you don't please like do the work to 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 get there it's really important yeah. Uh, it, and I think with you specifically, let's even jump into like current day, like what is actually happening around us. Um, yeah. For you, and this is just my own also like, okay, we have a lot of shit we have to figure out. The gym closed down, a lot of things yeah. pivoted on online world. Um, you know, we had to adjust very quickly in the last couple yeah. weeks. And so I'd love to know, and I talked about this in a Facebook Live of like, learning how I am in the middle of transitioning from get shit done mode to being a little bit more in feel mode and knowing that there those for me are very two different parts. Like I'm think I'm straight down the line of 50, 50 masculine and feminine. Um, and I feel like with that transition, how hard it can be in high pressure situations to always remind yourself for me personally, that I can't outdo the work. <laughs> like I can't, I can't just get into the, um, the motions of things and the problem solving of things and reminding myself. And that's what I've been doing the last two weeks is like constantly forcing myself to be in a good place, which requires doing, not doing a to-do list, not checking off things off my list, but getting myself to feel better. And that is taking a lot of effort, especially with what's happening. Um, but with you and your business and all of the things that you also have, uh, how do you see that flow being experienced for you? Well, well, right now it's, um, I, I guess maybe there's two things. This is, this is kind of, I feel like in some ways just divine timing for me. Um, I, I had a massive, you know, December, January, February, we're all about a handful of different program launches and a book was due and, you know, there's three program launches and a, and a manuscript due. And, wow. and so, so I had, I had financially and emotionally and mentally 
planned for March, April, May to be uh, quiet. So, so for me, just the way things, the way the cards fell, um, you know, personally, I, I felt like, okay, wow, this is interesting. I had kind of planned to have this okay. downtime anyways. That being said, there was things certainly that happened in the business that all of a sudden, you know, you've got a whole slew of people on payment plans that you want to be able to say, hey, should we mix this up for you? Or you've got people reaching out who are really in the midst, in the throes of deep uncertainty that maybe need some help, et cetera. So I think for me, there was a, there was a week of, of, a, of a very high intensity kind of riding the collective wave of like, okay, the boat's turning, the collective boat is turning. And, and there was an instinct that I felt in myself to rush in, like kind of triage mode. And, and I did that and I was very quickly exhausted, very quickly <laughs> exhausted and, and thought, hmm, again, the body is the cue. So like, what about this doesn't, doesn't feel right? What about this is too quick? What about this is too slow? What, you know, then that set me into a different stage of questioning. Um, if I believe that this time, both for myself as an individual and us as a collective, for the most part, of course, not everybody, um, but is, is going to be about deep, deep rest, mm. uh, uh, not even deep rest, to be honest, I mean, like, like a, a rite of passage, like we don't do, this is a, this is like a burning rite of passage we're going through as a collective. And so if I think it's about that, then, then what do I like, let me pull all of that triage kind of energy back and ask myself, what, what do I want? How do I want to feel? And what does that mean that my, that my everyday should look like? Um, and again, there was some really, there was some just really lucky serendipitous divine timing with a lot of stuff as well, which was mm. good. I think that is exactly what I, I mean, for me, I'm like, I just, everyone's interpreting this so differently, right? And so the gems that you just put in there were perfect because I just, it's seeing it as what is this passage mean for me instead of what is this time inconveniencing me with or causing me to postpone things. You know, it's a sh the reframe that I feel like you're so lucky to, I feel the same way, I, you know, I'm, my work environment didn't change at all. So outside of changing certain components of, you know, the expression of my business, um, I have been in a good position. So figuring out how do I translate that to people that really are rocked and unrooted um, and, and just knowing that seeing it as a purposeful thing, as a rite of passage, sometimes is all that people need. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, regardless of this specific incident, I mean, I always kind of go back to like, is this happening to me or is it happening for me? And and what um, there's going to be pain. There is pain. Um, some of it that's direct and very much in the face of some people. Some of it a little bit less so for others. Um, and and I think that's inevitable. There's always going to be pain in various places. But like, if it's going to be happening to us as opposed to for us, that 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 introduces a whole different level of suffering. That mm -hmm. I don't know that all of us. Again, you know, there might be some components of that 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 are going to happen. But I think there's also some choices to make in there. Um, so so I, I I'm I've been thinking of it, especially because it's it's flu, it's fever, it's you know, it, it really does feel like a 
uh, a rite of passage um, for us as individuals and a collective to me. I love that. And you mentioned how do you feel, how do you want to feel through it? How do you want to feel in it? Um, And maybe just even more kind of to emphasize the feeling that I'm still learning how to articulate. You just do such a good job with it. It's literally what you, I'm not kidding you. I'm sitting there with you in San Diego and I'm like, Oh my God, this is the feeling that I I want to feel. This is amazing. Um, How do you, with that conversation with yourself or even with the people you work with, when people are creating a menu from scratch because we have never been taught that we could pick feelings or we could pick a way that we feel, you know, and for me really understanding that I had no point of reference because I was always in the do mode. I didn't know even how I wanted to feel. Um, How do you maybe personally and then also things that you know you want to get your clients to and your people to of how, what is optimal? (laughs) What is ideal? What are we worthy of? What can we even grasp onto and know that it is possible for us in this time? Well, I think we're worthy of everything. I think it's our birthright. I mean, to, to, to just be frank about that, but the, the, the question about, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, you know, here we're worthy. And, and what I mean by you're worthy of everything is you're worthy of the human experience. You wouldn't be here if, if you weren't, if you somehow didn't sign up for the human experience. Now that's the whole kit and that's where the wholeness comes in. If you cut off from sadness and suffering, you cut yourself off from, from exuberant joy also. So I think both have to exist kind of in the same, in in the same place. Now, how do we then move to a place where we're maybe being more proactive about how we want to feel, uh, who we want to be, et cetera. Number one, and this is, this is work that I do in kind of a masterclass program and a little bit in, in some of the other work that I do too. But the languaging I use is like, um, we have to understand what it feels like to be in the container of us. In the container of me. Now, what I mean by that is energetically, with as few disturbances ar- around as possible, my spouse's, dist- you know, his energy, the dog's energy, the energy of the collective, all this kind of stuff. What does it feel like to be me? And again, I, it's embodiment. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like to be me without the, the intrusion? Like, how do I set energetic boundaries, not just regular boundaries in my life, but energetic boundaries so that I know what that feels like. Now, meditation is the quickest way in. I, I am not a great, that's not my forte, um, but moving meditations work really well for me. That's what the ski trip was. It was a 10-month moving meditation. It was a 10-month experience of pranayamic breathing, you know, um, where I understood what was the energy of me. Now, sure. Now, once you've done that work and that work can take some people a handful of months of, of, of practice. It could take people, other people years. Um, I think once you know what is the container of me, then you can know, Oh, that's mine. That's not mine. That feels off. That's not a match. Mm. Um, and then it becomes easier to kind of move from there. The, the other day I had an experience where I felt this, um, it was in the morning and I felt this anxiety, this very quick moving vibration anxiety and it was rising up and I knew it wasn't mine. I knew it was say the collective or it just, I just knew this wasn't mine, but here it is presenting itself regardless. And so I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to wrap a story around it. 
I'm not going to try and determine why it got there. All I'm going to do is put my everything in my, on my desk down. I'm going to walk outside to the tree, big tree outside, and I'm going to let it come. I'm going to say, come on, up and out. Let it come up and out. And it like literally, I could feel it vibrating through me. Big emotion, like tears. And we, again, not naming it, not being like, what is this about? And then two minutes later, catch my breath. Do I feel like me again? Yes. Okay. I, I seem my nervous system seems to be calmer. Like let's go back inside. So I, yeah. I think there's there, there's a there's real work to be done. I think in do you energetically know your boundaries? There's so much work and talk around boundaries. Like do you have boundaries with your time? Do you have boundaries with your physical space? Do you have boundaries, et cetera? But we do, we very rarely talk about energetic boundaries. And, and that's, I think, one of, one of the key pieces to all of this. Uh, if you know your energetic boundaries, you know what's yours and what's not and what feels good and what doesn't, what's a match, you know all of that. And that's a pretty handy tool to have. There's so, I love everything you said. I, as somebody that feels like boundaries can be used almost in excess in some ways. And then what you just said, maybe we have a lot of boundaries in our external world, like quite literally of not answering that phone call or not going to reply to that. Or I know I don't need that in my schedule for you, energetic boundaries. What would be an example of that to define? Because I think sometimes what I struggle with when I hear it from other people and not just be maybe overusing the word is like they almost close themselves off through those boundaries. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah. I, I like this conversation because there's a really big difference between like, I'm going to erect these walls and put up these rules, et cetera, in my life to create boundaries. Now, sometimes that's got to be the first step. And if that's got to be the first step to get you in the container of you, fantastic, do it. If you, if you get to the point where you are holding energetic boundaries, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, but like that other shit doesn't happen hmm. because you're not energetically drawing it in. Yeah. So if uh. you've got really, so, so how, how do I, so I'll, I'll give a description, um, I'll give a description with a, with a female friendships in my life. So let's go back, I don't know, 15 years, maybe even 20 years at this point, who knows, probably around 17 years, something like that. Um, I had for, for about a decade or so, a series of different female friends in my life that were all a, a similar kind of type. Okay. You think about this as romantic relationships as well, right? We attract these types, but similar female friends. And they were, they were gorgeous, charismatic. They were the one everyone wanted to be around. They were stunning. They were they were just these really, really um, uh, dynamos uh, and, and, and exciting, exciting to be around. And um, also um, quite a lot of drama. Like there was just, there was a lot of drama. And, and I remember after kind of watching a handful of, it, took, it, was a third, it was a third person. Again, we're like a decade into this pattern. And I found myself going to my other friends, like, I got to set boundaries. I got to, like, I can't work with this person anymore. I've got to, you know, and I was doing that. I won't pick up the phone with this person. Exactly the examples that you said. 
and and three people in and t- 10 years in and ranting and raving to, to my other friends all the time, I, you know, you get really tired of yourself. And I was like, okay, wait, it takes two to tango here. What am I doing that is energetically saying, I, I, this is who I want in my life. And when I peeled it all back, it was, it was a very egoic, when shit hits the fan for them, I get to be the blessed, calm one that's totally in control. That's like, don't worry, I'll solve everything. Like, it'll be okay. I'm the hero. Like, and, and I get the pats on the back for it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like number one, that's not how I want to be valued. Number two, that's not the position. I don't want my energy to to put them in the position where things have to fall apart. Like how mm. awful of me to, to, to say, okay, so this is going to be great. They'll fall apart. Like wish kind of unconsciously wishing people mm. around me would fall apart. So like, so, so I, I ended that, that third relationship. Cause I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I, I did a lot of things. I did rituals. I, I got rid of stuff in my house that was, you know, maybe gifts from them, etc. I, I really did a lot of stuff kind of energetically. And then the next step was like, okay, watch. Cause I bet the next amazing charismatic person, I mean, I, there's probably going to be a pull to get into that. Lo and behold, there was, and it was like, okay, great. It's not out of my system energetically, but I recognize it in advance so I can just walk away. Since mm. then, no go. There's just never been that because now it's really clear. I, I know what it feels like in my body to be around not, not only to be around, but to, to actually say, I want all the people, all my female friends, I want everybody, but I want all my female friends to, to be these amazing people. If things fall apart, that's, that's great. I'll be there for them. But like, I wish them success. I wish them uh, abundance. I wish them joy. Um, energetically, I want us to be able to go to levels of levity and fun that, that are, that are exuberant and beyond what I could believe. And I want us to be able to go to, you know, kind of depth that's measured in fathom, like I, you know, both of those places. And that's been what's happened. And there's no, now there's no need for the other boundaries. That is a beautiful, the most honest and relatable example. So I appreciate that because it's like with I recognize it so much of like, what is the work, right? What is the work that I'm doing? And what is the work that actually is making me a better human and also getting me to where I want to go, right? Like, I don't want to do it the way I have done it in the past. I know there's a different way. And, And then trying to figure out, okay, well, what is clearly pushing me in that direction? Just like that Spotify playlist, right? So it's it's so interesting because I'm like, wow, I... Every, you almost have to detective, of course, get curious yeah. with love, right? Not with, yeah. not with the pointed finger, but every person in your life has to be examined. And, and knowing like I had this person come into my life because I probably was struggling with that insecurity in my own life and we mirrored each other. And so it's like, okay, well, does that mirror still continue to help me grow? Is it in a constructive, beautiful way? Or... Yeah. Or is it putting me in that place that I too so quickly get into where it's like, oh, you need my help? Oh, I'm the hero. 
I can, I can help, which I've noticed so much last year. It was like, oh my God, is my whole job this? I have to change it all. <laughs> and I did. I had to because I, I had built a career off that, right? So it was like this gut check of like, wow, okay. It, it's not that I just want to change my career. It's that I am realizing that my my whole way of being in this world to somebody that maybe doesn't know me personally has been built off of that, off of being the helper, yeah. right? And you just, that, it's just honesty. Is that exactly what you did of like, I'm not, a, I'm not upset about it. I'm not a bad person for it. I grew out of it. And that is the recognition and the forgiveness. And the like, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with being a helper. It's, it's more like, is, is, am I being a helper? Because that's archetypally who I am. And like, here I go off into the world, just loving the help that I can give and loving the people that I can help. Or like, is, is there an ego payoff? Mm. That's, that's, and, is there an yeah. ego payoff that's sizable enough to, 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 to bring self-sabotage and, you know, that kind of stuff into it? So, so that, that's a, you know, yes, everyone in our life has to be examined, but more than that, we do. We have to examine ourselves um, and, and where mm. our own uh, kind of energetic hooks are. What we need, what, what, we, what we energetically are communicating we need from people. Yeah it's so much louder than what we will ever say. And so it's the embodiment that you speak of gives you the lens to see those things because without it, you don't have any method of knowing, you know? No, not really. Yeah. That's, that makes it, that would make it really the only, then you, then you, then you have to go back to the, the, the kind of technical boundaries, Mm. uh, which, which are important in, in many cases. But if you've, if you've got that embodiment and kind of, you know, you've, you've tuned up, uh, like, you know, your, your whole system is your energy and your body is a tuning fork. Then you, then, you know, like you, you can feel, uh, where there's incongruence. Mm -hmm. With you and one last thing on boundaries, because you spoke to this with me, you also do a really good job of physical kind of cues and your favorite, like if you are around someone Right now, maybe that's not an issue. <laughs> because <laughs> So maybe this isn't an issue. But um, th- those little cues were so helpful for me when you spoke of that to me, of just crossing your legs and kind of protecting your heart. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Having some, we were having some yeah, that, that comes out of a, I was like, I was like, I don't remember this. And, you know, of course, now I do. Yeah. The, the, that comes out of actually a, uh, meditation practice that uh, my best so my best friend and I run a kind of a masterclass energy program and and she she does a lot of the kind of lead on meditative work and and she did a what's called a, a guided meditation it's a, a lock so you form these energetic locks in your body and and I, I had another kind of spiritual teacher who was telling me also about that kind of energy of you know when you meet when you come across someone and they've got their arms crossed like you don't they don't seem like maybe an approachable person right but also you don't want to be like the person with their arms crossed like being this unapproachable but so there's other ways of kind of doing that energetically um I noticed this just a handful of times one or two times you know that I don't know hundreds or thousands of people that I met on book tour there was one or two times where I could feel it in my body like this person wants something for me that I can't it's it's not about me and I, I need to 
communicate to them in a kind way because I, I believe in kindness and, and I don't know them and I don't know their story and I'm not going to make any assumptions. I'm just getting picking up like this ain't, this ain't cool. And so I, I did. I learned a handful of different tools to kind of energetic lock so that so that your energy stays in you and and their energy can stay wherever their energy is. Uh, one of those tools is to put your tongue to the roof of your mouth, form a lock at the top of your mouth. Another is to just, you don't have to cross your arms. You can just cross your wrists, you know, over your laps as if to say like no entry. You can do it with your ankles, um, but, you know, crossing your ankles gently at the bottom of the chair. Maybe that's how, why all the royals sit that way. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, but there's, there's, you know, just a handful of things I think that you can do. Um, but, you know, the most important thing is just, you know, how do I keep my energy in me? Hmm. Cause you need every ounce of it. <laughs> yeah, we need it all. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's vitality, right? That's mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's not to say, you know, when, when you do go out and help, when you do, uh, when you are around people, when you're adding energy to a collective or to a team, you know, lots of people, you know, lots of people work with other people. I don't work with a lot of other people. You know, it isn't to say that you don't, you know, use your energy and, and allow it to contribute to something. Um, but it's like, you know, you think about it as like a conductor. Like, do I want to be like a maestro, like using my energy as a conductor to really um, make things as smooth as possible? Or am I not aware of it at all? And I'm just, it, that's where for me now, if I go into something and I'm not aware of it, then I usually end up exhausted at the end. Yes. And like soulful exhausted. Like, yeah. Ugh, like creativity zapped all of that you yeah. know versus just I feel tired you start to be like oh no it's my creative I don't feel like I have any space to think of an idea or I don't have yeah. energy to put you know so it's, it's yeah. like you can define it more and more Ugh. Yeah. yeah with the things changing and you know much not much might have changed for you but for people that uh, your next round of things, your great big journey and your programs. Um, when's the next sign up? Where can I send people to kind of see what you're yeah, up to? So this is, this is an interesting question. Like, what are we going to do? Right. Um, so, so we were in the midst of, we have a handful of different programs. One that we run is called read like a mother. And that's a group coaching, um, book club kind of mashup. And, and I'm, I'm really excited. Um, the details aren't like fully announced yet, but we're going to be changing that in a big way. And I'm partnering with, with another brilliant woman. And we're going to be doing a little bit more of a traditional book club style with that. And that'll launch in July. Um, so there'll be details about that kind of May, June. Um, and that'll be, that'll be, I'm pumped about that. Um, and it's all online, right? So this will be a good, no matter what kind of happens, you know, this will, this will be a good way for us to kind of gather around, uh, in collective conversation, um, practice perhaps physical distancing, but not social distancing, uh, is, yeah. is a way of, of doing it. Uh, great big journey will roll again in September. Um, that's, that's, that'll be on. Um, and then, you know, from there I have, a book coming out next year. So I don't know. Yeah, that that's, that's where we've, we're in editing phases right now. And so I haven't actually planned a lot of 2021 because I don't know exact dates. I don't know, you know, there's a lot up in the air still. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the direct is read like a mother's going to be July. September is going to be great big journey. Um, 
and we've always got a whole bunch of stuff kind of kicking around go to the website yeah. go to instagram yeah perfect any more owl any more owl sightings <laughs> There was a whole, there was a whole hullabaloo with owls yesterday that, that, I mean, I I actually, I just posted just the other night, I could hear them uh, just outside my bathroom in the the night. So I, I recorded them and put it on Instagram. And then the next day there was a very big owl thing. Not, I did not that I saw, but, but that a dear, dear friend of mine saw and it, it, uh, we traveled through 10,000 portals of something yesterday. Let's put it that way. But what was very interesting is that after talking to you, because when, when you said you came to Bainbridge and you stayed somewhere and someone gave you an eagle feather, and I said, oh, there's this big eagle energy this year. And so pretty soon after the noon retreat, I got home and I, I honestly felt like I heard a voice like, go here, walk over to this bush, look around the corner, duh, 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 and there's a big owl fe- uh, eagle feather for me. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. it was like, you, you were you able to take it? Oh my gosh. Tail feather. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so, so there's, I don't know, there's out, there's owl energy. There's eagle, you know, you know, like, I don't know. Now, now you are beginning to know me. There's, there's lots of, there's lots of energy. There's lots of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, yeah. one, that's one thing that I'll say is, is, you know, just with everything that's, that's going on, you know, I do think this is a rite of passage. And I think, um, when, when in, in, I, I wasn't there, I don't know, in historic days when people went through rites of passage, there, there certainly was a grieving process um, involved in that. But there was also a really big, like, the reason you went through it was to get to another side because there was going to be a whole other version of you waiting. You were going to become a man, you were going to become a woman, you were going to be, you were going to be named the shaman, you were going to, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing to keep. That's the ego energy, right? You've got to keep our eye on. We've been saying for a long time, this isn't what we want. And I think it's time for us to say, what do we want? Because we've got an opportunity to kind of begin creating that collectively. And, and I think that's, that's the energy of how do we go into this next phase? Uh, if we continue to say, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, you know, that's that we, we will get somewhere that way. Um, it'll be, it'll be slower and perhaps a little bit more painful, I think. If we switch the question to what do I want, which is actually deeply uncomfortable for a lot of people, um, I think we'll get there faster, smoother. I love that. Yeah. Ugh. I'm in the middle of that question right now, so that's perfect. Yeah. And let your body tell you. Let your body tell you. Ugh, Steph, you are just wonderful. Thank you for being such a good teacher. Uh, just an embodiment of what, to use your word, of the the both energies and doing it so gracefully, yeah. you know, it's just really, I'm lucky to know you. Mm, right. Same ditto, ditto. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for this and the conversation and having me on. It's it, especially with everything going on right now. It's nice to, nice to chat. It's very needed for me. So thank you. This is a selfish podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Steph. <laughs>